Hey guys, I'm Shaylee. And I'm Charity. And you're listening to Fallacious and Factual, a podcast where we dive deep into movies and TV shows and tell you how they got the story all wrong. Welcome to another week. Hey guys. So sorry we missed last week. I got super sick and literally have done nothing but sleep. I'm yeah. not even eating because I just don't feel good. So. Yeah. Yep. But it was nice because... I did have more time to research this Princess Bride, which is why you are getting two parts. Yeah. Because this first part is dun, 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 17 pages long. So. 17 pages. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of information that's going to be coming at you. I read not just The Princess Bride, but I also read the book As You Wish. By Carrie. As you wish. Oh, my sweet Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I read that book too. It's by Carrie Ewell, I think is how you say his last name. He is the guy that actually played Wesley. Oof, I love him so much. So, yeah. I love me a Wesley. And he went through, so after their, they had like a 10 year reunion, and he went through and just compiled a bunch of memories of making the movie. So there's like behind the scenes things. There's quotes from all of the other actors about like their favorite scenes to do or things that they remembered from filming. So that seems so much fun. Yeah. So there's so many stories and just like a lot of stuff that I wanted to share with it, which is why we have 17 pages for part one. I mean, it would make sense. Mm -hmm. Princess Bride. I love Princess Bride. It's so good. When I tell you, I watched this movie three times in a row. I watched this movie three times in a row. Because you can. I remember. So when Taylor and I went on our honeymoon last year, uh, we went to, we went on a cruise and they would do a movie night because they had like a big projector TV. So do a movie night every night. Yeah. And one of the nights it was Princess Bride. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this movie. And one of the ladies in the pool with me is like, I've never seen this movie before. Ha. Uh huh. I was like, "How are you from planet Earth? How? I don't know. Was she I never mean, seen it? Um, me and my friends were doing a movie night because one of my friends has not seen it. Yeah, I have a. But full... she's like seventeen. This lady was like fifty. That. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. We have a full list of um, rom coms to watch mm. because there's like. Never been kissed that none of them have Love seen. She's the man that none of them have Love seen. The proposal. Love that movie. The Princess Diaries. Love. Mama Mia's Into the Woods. Wow. Um, I mean, Into the Woods, you could get take off that list. I love Into the Woods. <laughs> um, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, oh, that's a lot. Sorry, you I just cracked, cracked your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that guys. loud snapping noise was Charity cracking her nails. Um. Anywho, yeah, so there's, we have like 20, over 20 movies that we need to watch because I've, I've seen all of them. Uh-huh. They have You're not welcome. seen You're welcome. We're also watching some of the, most of the Scooby-Doo's because they have not seen any of the Scooby-Doo's. <sighs> there is one Scooby movie, Scooby, ooh, there is one Scooby movie that I name all the time and they, or not name, I quote, quote it all the time. Uh-huh. I don't even, I don't know. And I was like, how do Which you Which know? one? The... <clears throat> You can feel the chill in the air. Cut! Who opened a window? Nobody. Look! <laughs> Anywho, I quote that all zombie the time. Island. Yeah. I know I, that one. I quote that all the time. That's one of the best ones because I the zombies know. are real creatures, not just some bad guy in a mask. I know. That one's really good. I know. That one, The Witch's Ghost, and mm. 
Alien Invaders. Probably top yep. three. What was that? Like, like it worked in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> as you can tell, we are Scooby-Doo fans. That's okay. I'm pretty sure... Oh, you weren't here for that one. Well, when we did... Um, Taylor and I did 12 Strong. Yeah, in the beginning of that one. Yeah, in the beginning of the movie, his daughter is watching Alvin and the Chipmunks. Ah. Uh, the Great Chipmunk Adventure. <laughs> so it's the song. <laughs> and then the, it took me like four times until I was like, I know this song. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. And I so, yeah. off of that tangent. So, like I said, sorry that we didn't get this last week, but... Yeah, so sorry, guys. I just can't help being sick. So, hopefully I'm on the end of this sickness so that we can get into our regularly scheduled programs again. Yes. So... We didn't forget about you. We did not. We thought about you the entire time. I've literally been struggling because I felt really bad that I couldn't get this up. But know that it was not my choice. It was the universe's choice because I'm sick. So everybody took a break for a week. But now we're back with the Princess Bride Part 1. Part 1. So let's get into it. The movie starts with the grandson. He doesn't actually have a name. Even if you look him up on IMDb. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they never say the name. Does no. the grandpa ever have a name? No, his name's grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Fred, I think his name's Fred Savage, is the actual guy that plays the kid. Oh. But he's just the grandson. So he is sick, just like I was sick. <laughs> and he's playing video games. So he's, uh, his grandpa comes, his grandfather comes to give him a book. That never happened to us, but it's okay. <clears throat> <laughs> We won't talk about that. Our grandparents are one. Our grandpas are yeah. wonderful people. Yeah, not sarcastic. Not sarcastic whatsoever. Anywho, anywho, we digress. So, Grandpa is giving this book to grandson, and he tells him that this was the book that his father used to read to him, and that he used to read to the grandson's father. So now he's going to read it to the grandson. Part of the I don't want to call it a conspiracy around this, but conspiracy around the Princess Bride is that this Princess Bride book, the the one then in the movie, was not actually a book that he was just making up the story as he goes along. And it's the same like, so the Princess Bride, if you read the actual book, yeah, it's by uh, William Goldman. Yes. But it says the Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern. Yeah, S. Morgenstern. Mm-hmm. So William Goldman says that he took this book by S. Morgenstern yeah. and abridged it and only kept the good parts because that's how his dad would read it to him. Air quotes. Yeah. There's no S. Morgenstern. But yeah. He's not real. He's... This story is written by William Goldman. But he's pretending. because yeah, all, all throughout the book, he'll put in like little, it's mm-hmm. like cursive, right? Italics, yeah. I, I read this like last year, but I was, anywho, but. Before the podcast. Before the podcast. Before it even counted. Before it even counted. It, I mean, it did count for a grade, but. So we read <laughs> Doesn't it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and all throughout the book, he'll put in like little italics, which would mm-hmm. be like, just like him describing the book, kind of yeah. like he's telling the story. Yeah. And he's but like, he's... I took this part out exactly. and I added this into it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So I literally searched because I was like, 
Where is the original version? Like, I want to read the original version. There is no. There is no original you version. You could have just asked me. I could have told you that there was no origi- original version. I had no version. idea. <laughs> I was looking everywhere. And every time I looked for it, William Goldman's would come up. And I was like, I don't want William Goldman's. Yeah. I want S. Morgenstern's. Yeah. It's not real. It's, it's not. It's not real. It's not real. So he, but he, the whole time, makes it seem, I think he's still alive. I don't I didn't actually look up when he died. But I don't think I have my phone with me. I think he's still alive. It's okay. Oh, um, I do. But fans would write in about different things and ask for the unabridged version. And he would play off like he couldn't, almost like he was being sued by the Morgan Stern Trust that he couldn't share any more of it. William Gold William Goldman. Oh no, he died November sixteenth, twenty eighteen. Oh, not too long ago. Not too well, like four years ago, five years ago. Five, yeah, that was five years. Yeah, so five years ago. <laughs> Excuse us, Holly. Feel really old, but oh, so up until he died, he made it seem like this book was an abridged version. Yeah, and he and he always did. Fans would write in, and he'd be like, "No, sorry, I can't share the real version." Like. Kept it going, almost like the magic around the Princess Bride. Kept it going because that—that that is the magic. Of it the is, Princess yeah. Bride. It like yeah. adds to it. It does. So, so yeah. Anyway, this movie is based on his quote-unquote abridged version, yeah, of the Morgenstern classic. Surprisingly, William Goldman actually wrote the screenplay for the movie as well. So wow. not only was he the author of the book, but he made sure that the movie was almost exactly like the book, which it is, as we'll find out. Oh, I love when that happens. I say right here, because as I was doing my my research, I was like, this episode might end up being two parts, because not only did I read the book, I also read a book called As You Wish. It is two parts, because I did read the book <laughs> called As You Wish. <laughs> I'll do that sometimes in my in my episode. I'll be like, yeah, wait, I already referenced the that, so uh-huh. I just have to skip it. So, yes. <laughs> so it is two parts, it because two I do want to add in a bunch of stuff from that. Just because there's such fun stories, as you'll see, because I've, I've shared quite a few stories in this first uh, part. There's such fun stories. So, like I was saying, the movie starts with Grandpa reading this book. And in the book, he starts talking about Buttercup. Buttercup. And- Sorry. Buttercup. Buttercup. And how she loved tormenting the farm boy, mm. which is accurate. I mean, if we had a farm boy like that, I would love tormenting him too. <laughs> I mean, anywho, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> so the beginning of the book actually adds a lot more details than the movie does, though. Yes. Her parents are in the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. You find out more about her. There's a whole chapter about a countess and how yes. she was jealous of this other girl. So she made her fat. Yeah. Because the count would look at the other girl and she's like, I can't have my husband looking at this other girl. So he, she found out that her weakness was chocolate and fed her a lot of chocolate to make her fat. Yes. So then the count stopped looking at her. So there's all of these <laughs> other things. <laughs> None of that is in the movie. Yeah. In the beginning, it's really just, Wesley, uh-huh. make my horse's saddle shine. Farm boy. Farm boy. She yeah. doesn't call him she Wesley. Doesn't call him Wesley. Farm boy. Farm boy. In the book, though, we also learn that Wesley was an orphan when he came to work for Buttercup's family and that her parents absolutely adored him. Yes. Her dad would say that when he died, when her dad died, he would leave Wesley over an acre in his will because of how like hard of a worker he was. 
And then we also learn that Buttercup hated bathing and hygiene. Yeah. She, she didn't brush her hair. Or her teeth. Yep. Or... Hated it. Yeah. It kept saying in the book that she was, like, top 20 of the most beautiful women. But then by the time she, like, learns how to do hygiene, she's, like, top three of the most beautiful women in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, hygiene will do that to you. It will. It really will. Taking a shower works wonders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, maybe you're not ugly. You're just unhygienic. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe you should. put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... There are some people in school that I'm like, you know, you really could do something if you like actually watch washed your hair mm-hmm. or brushed your teeth. Yeah, maybe those are big ones. Those are big ones. Those are those are big ones. Or at least wore deodorant. Oh, I, mm. that's the worst. It, it's especially <laughs> if you're the in a, a musical theater class. Oh, I'm sure. And you're dancing in a hot room, and they I'm don't sure. wear deodorant. Ugh. It's gross. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> or you're stuck gross. in a, a sweaty dressing room that has no air conditioning. Mm, that sounds yummy. Right after a show. <laughs> We're just bringing back my traumas. It's fine. <clears throat> no big deal. No big deal. So in the book, Buttercup's mom would always try to tell her that boys would like her if she would bait. Yeah. But she would always say, horse loves me and that's all that matters. Because horse... Was her horse's name. She was not yeah. very creative when it came to names. She just no. called her horse, horse. And yeah. the farm boy, farm boy. Mm-hmm. Even though he had a name that she didn't have to come up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But like it shows in the movie, Wesley did always respond with, as you wish. Also in the book, Buttercup's parents play more of a role. You don't ever see them in the movie. But in the books, there's multiple scenes with them. There's actually a scene where the Count, who was in the movie, the Six-Fingered Man, yes, comes to Buttercup's family. He comes to the house. Because he had heard of Buttercup's beauty and knew that Prince Humberding needed a wife. So he's like, hmm, this lady sounds yeah. like she might be pretty. I'm going to go check her out. There's also like a few chapters on Prince Humperdinck, like how he had a kind of like a zoo mm-hmm. in his in his castle. Yeah, so it's the, the pit of despair that's in yeah. the movie is actually a, like a five-level like five zoo. Five-level zoo, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like the only thing I remember from the book. But. Yeah. There's another, um, I think I talked about it in a minute, but there's another story about him too. Yeah. So like I said, he goes to Buttercup's family and he made up something about like wanting to learn about their cows. So, so they talked to Buttercup's parents about it and they're like, what do you do with your cows? And the dad's like, I don't know what I do with my cows. And so I, then they're like, I just feed them. Okay. What do you do with the cows to the mom? And she's like, I don't know. And they're like, do you have a daughter? <laughs> and they're like, how did you know we have a daughter? Yeah, Buttercup came out here. <laughs> so Buttercup comes out and he's like, oh, she's pretty. What do you do with the cows? And she's like, I don't touch the cows. That's what farm boy does. So then that's when Wesley comes over. He's like, I just feed them. <laughs> yeah. Well, then the countess takes a liking to Wesley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is when Buttercup realizes that she is, in fact, in love with Wesley. Mm-hmm. Because she sees how the countess looks at Wesley. And she gets super jealous. There's a whole like four pages of her staying up all night because mm-hmm. she's so worried about it. Every time she closes her eyes, she just sees the countess looking at Wesley. Wesley. So then she goes and tells him that she's in love with him and he doesn't respond. And I was like, Wesley, say something. I know. <laughs> he doesn't respond. So then she's heartbroken. Yeah. He didn't say it back. But then he does come to her later that evening and she's trying to pretend like, oh, I was just telling you because it was a joke and I was just being yeah. mean. Yeah. 
And he's like, no, I do love you. I'm leaving for America. And she's like, what? You do love me? <laughs> Such a girl thing. It's like, you yeah. don't love me. You do love me? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like those those vines or like those in those movies when the girl's on like a rant. Like we just talked about this in the American Underdog, how she was ranting to him about how he didn't love her and how he wanted to break up. And she was like, yeah. well, do you want to break up? F- you, Fine. Your Fine. silence you says everything. Yeah. And he's, just and he's like. like you didn't give what? me a chance to talk. <laughs> exactly. That's basically she was like, no, this is just a joke. Wait. I really do. do? You're leaving? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he does in the movie, he does head to America. He does leave to go find his fortune. Mm-hmm. But it's not nearly as dramatic as is in the book. Yeah. So he he's actually the one to tell her that every time he said, as you wish, what he really meant was, I love you. He tells yeah. her that. He's like, you're so dumb. <laughs> what I was trying to tell you every time I said, as I, as you wish, I was meaning I love you. Yeah, so it's kind of like a girl thing to do. Such a girl thing to do. <laughs> so then he turns to leave and she yells, without one kiss? <laughs> I was like, why did you add that? I want you to add that. That would have been so that funny. That would have been so cute. So cute. But they don't. I mean, that's also a girl thing to do. It is. Man, they're both the girl in the relationship. They, they are. Until he comes. They're kind of a good that's girl a thing. spoiler. Spoiler alert. This whole podcast is a spoiler. <laughs> I can tell you this every time. <laughs> well, I was going to say, until he comes back after being like... The Dread Private the, Roberts. The Dread Private Roberts. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to man up. And then he... Yeah. yeah. But right now, he's just like, you should have known that as you wish meant I love you. Yeah. I, you should have read my mind. Lines. <laughs> yeah. Read between the lines. There is no lines. There are two spaces. Exactly. Uh, Wait. Three spaces. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> Sorry, I had to count that in my brain. I was like, like as you wish. Wait, that's three. Wait. As you. Yes, that's three. Technically two, because there'd be a space before the sentence and a space after the sentence. We no, don't count those. As space, you space, wish, space. space. So it's four, because it's space as space, wish, as you space, <laughs> wish, space. Space, wish, space, as space, you. Okay. Wait, that was backwards. <laughs> There's just a space between <laughs> as and you, and then you and wish. Two you spaces. If you don't count the space before or the space after. Yeah, there's only two spaces. Yeah. So I was correct on yeah. all three of them. Sure. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> That's how my brain is working today. So Fine. now that we're three minutes into the movie and 20 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. So this is why I'm saying like there's so much to share because I actually wrote that. I was like, now that we're, we're three minutes into the movie, because all of that happened in the first three minutes of the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because the book goes into, like we said, a lot more detail in yep. some of in some of the parts that they, I mean, if they used the entire book and put it into the entire movie, it would have been, been a long movie. Yeah. I mean, I still would have sat down and watched it three I, times. I would have too. Yeah. So. In the movie, we learn that Wesley never made it to his destination because he was attacked by uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. The Dread Pirate Roberts. This does actually happen in the book as well. And when Buttercup finds out, she went into her room for days and neither slept nor ate. That happens in both the book and the movie. When she did come out of her room in the book, she tells her parents she's fine, but that she'll never love again. And that she does say that in the movie. But in the movie, she's just talking she's, to nothing. She's sitting in her room on a chair next to the fireplace. She goes, I'll never love again. Yep. When in the book, she tells her parents and they're just like, oh, what's wrong with her? 
We didn't know you were in love with him. Yeah. You just left. It was this little fling that you just confessed your love one day and then he left you and then now yeah. you're heartbroken over it. But okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Anywho. <laughs> so then in the movie, Prince Humberdink gets to choose his bride. And like it shows in the movie, he chooses Buttercup. What they don't tell you is how he came to know of Buttercup. In the book. Oh, this is the story that I was saying. It comes up. Yeah. So in the book, he's actually set up with Princess Norina of Gilder. Yes, the same Gilder. The same Gilder that he wants to start a war with. Yeah. Yeah. While at dinner with the princess and the king and the queen, because they want them to, like, get married so there's peace in their their kingdoms. Yeah. A fire breaks out and burns off all of Princess Norina's hair. I'm Uh at a loss for words. Yeah. So Prince Humperdinck, being the shallow man that he is, is like, I will not marry a bald princess. So he has to find someone else. <laughs> I mean, he yeah. he would be that type of person, though. Yeah, he would be. Just I mean, looking. It makes sense because like he didn't it, really know her, so it's like it makes sense. Yeah. So he does not. Marry but I Princess mean, Marina Gilder. I don't know the actor. The actor just looks like that type of guy. To be honest, he's actually very nice in real life. Him and the count in the book, as you wish. <laughs> Carrie's like, yeah, they're both actually really nice guys. <laughs> I don't, they just look like that. I know, but like, they're really nice. So, you know, I'll never judge a book by its cover because yeah. I would have totally pic- pictured them as like the Count and yeah. Prince Humperdinck. Yeah, but they are very nice people. Oh. So then this is where the Count, the same one as in the beginning of the book, mentions how beautiful Buttercup is. So the prince is like, all right, I'm going to marry Buttercup. So there's a funny exchange in the book that I wish they would have added to the movie. Because Humperdinck says to Buttercup, he says, I am your prince and you will marry me. And Buttercup responds with, I am your servant and I refuse. (laughs) (laughs) So then he says, I am your prince and you cannot refuse. And she says, I am your loyal servant. And I just did. (laughs) He says, refusal means death. And she says, kill me then. And he says, I'm your prince, and I'm not that bad. How could you rather be dead than married to me? And Buttercup says, because marriage involves love, and that is not a pastime at which I excel. I tried it once, and it went badly, so I'm sworn to never love another. So this is where Humperdinck's like, you don't have to love me. I just need a male heir, and that's all I need. I'll give you all the riches that you want. And she's like, okay, fine. Okay, yeah, that works. <laughs> so she agrees to marry him. But it's this whole, like, I'm your prince, and you must marry me. And she's like, I don't. I don't want to. I am your servant and I refuse. <laughs> and he's like, why would you rather die than be married to me? I promise I'm not that bad. <laughs> I just imagine his ego like dying a little bit. She's like, no. He's like, what's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then like in the movie, she's shown to the kingdom. The movie and the book are quite similar in this scene. Company gets up and tells everyone that in three months, the country will celebrate its 500th anniversary. He says that in the movie. Yeah, he does. And he tells them that on that night, he will marry a commoner as yourself. But you will not find her common now. (laughs) (laughs) And he introduces Buttercup. (laughs) He totally watches the movie a few too many times. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. I feel like I'm just going to be quoting the whole thing. I mean, we probably could have quoted between us. Probably. So then, after she's shown to 
all of her peoples, we see her out riding horse, her horse, named Horse. Yep. And she notices three men. This scene is another one that's almost verbatim out of the book. One of them speaks and says, and tells Buttercup, that they are poor lost circus performers. And asks her if there's a village or town nearby. And she says, there's nothing nearby. Not for miles. Then no one can hear you scream. Exactly. And that's all directly from the book. Like, Mm. quote by quote from the book. Funny fact about Vizzini, the main guy. The... Yeah. Sicilian. Yeah. He's played by a man named Wallace Shawn. Everybody calls him Wally, so if I mention Wally, this is who I'm talking about. Okay. The directors originally wanted Danny DeVito to play That would have been so funny. And sadly, Wally's agent mentioned this to him. It's like, why would you tell him? Why would you tell him that he was he was actually the third choice? I forget who the other person was. There's two other people they wanted before him. So he was so nervous filming this that he wasn't going to get everything right. He was so nervous about it. You don't tell. I know. I was like, wait until after he's finished. That's the number one thing that you that you don't tell an actor. No, that they were the second choice yeah. or, third, or the choice, third choice or fourth choice. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They got the part. Mm-hmm. They're there. They're there. They're mm-hmm. ready to work. Yeah, exactly. So every time he went to record a scene, he would try to do it like Danny DeVito. So it kind of throw him off a little bit because he's trying to be somebody other than himself. Yeah. So he finally learned a balance between he said it was like 40 percent him, 40 percent uh, Goldman. So the, the writer. And then 20% Danny DeVito. So he still like pulled in Danny DeVito. But the directors had to keep reassuring him. They were like, just do the scene the way that you think it should be done. We promise it's going to be okay. Yeah. And then he kept saying, he's like, I don't, I can't do a Sicilian accent. And they're like, you don't need to do a Sicilian accent. This Sicilian sounds just like you. Just speak how you normally would. Yeah. But he was so nervous about it. Well, the entire time. Because it once once you tell an actor like, oh, you were the third, that just tears down their confidence. Totally. That, that doesn't just tear it down. That totally like sledgehammers their confidence. Exactly. So he would ask Goldman, William Goldman, for advice on different things. And so Goldman would go through and like do the scene the way he thought it should be done. And then Wally would go through and copy what he had done. Okay. So. It was, he said that this movie was super stressful for him. Well, I I bet, like, your agent told you that you're going after Danny DeVito. Danny yeah. DeVito was well known. Yes. Way well known. Yes. Anyway, moving on. So the movie actually made Fezzik a little nicer than he was in the books. So Fezzik is the giant. In the movie, Fezzik and Inigo don't want Vizzini to kill Buttercup. Well, in the book, Fezzik says they should just kill her right then and there. That it would make it easier to carry her around. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Inigo, he is the same in the in both the movie and the book. He doesn't like the idea of killing her. But also like in the book, Vizzini states that, states in the movie that he had been hired to start a war. That is true. Yeah. And he does attach fabric from a gilder uniform to a horse, to her horse, like it shows to in the horse. movie. To horse. Yep. <laughs> two horse <laughs> two horse it sounds so weird it's, it does it's it like, I'm, like i'm missing something yeah it sounds like we're like speaking improperly but we're not yeah, because like not. i wouldn't say like to i don't know to a charity i had to say to charity yeah because horse is the name so it's two, two horse. horse yeah 
not like to a horse, to horse. Anywho. Yeah. So now they're in the boat and the river that they're on in the movie is full of shrieking eels. That was added in for effect. Those don't actually reside in this river that they're in. Yeah. Sharks did, though. Ah, this was shark infested water. And Buttercup really did jump into the water. And Fe- Fezzik, so in the movie, Vizzini's like jumping after her. And Fezzik goes, I only dog paddle. <laughs> That's a quote from the book. <laughs> that happened in the book. So then in the movie, Vizzini tells her that if she comes back now, that he promised that no harm will come to her. This doesn't happen in the book because in the book, she overhears them talking about their whole plan to kill her. Yeah. So instead of promising no harm, he just promised that her death would be painless. And he says, unlike the sharks who are going to kill you if they smell blood. apart. Yes. Your death will be painless. And he actually, in the book, he cuts his arm and his leg and drops blood into a cup and then throws the cup out into the river. So the sharks attack. Yeah. But then I... the, the moonlight comes out, so they see her, and they're able to pull her back into the boat. But yeah, that's... And, you know, in the movie, how the grandpa stops, and he's like... Excuse not me. dead. And he... She doesn't he die says, right here. She doesn't get eaten by the eels right here. Yeah. In the book, Goldman stops it and says, she doesn't get eaten by sharks right here. Just wanted to let you all know that, because <laughs> when my dad read me the book... I was really nervous at this part, so I wanted to make sure none of you were nervous. So it's super similar to yeah. what he does in the movie. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. So then Inigo mentions that someone might be following them, which Vizzini says many times that that's inconceivable. Inconceivable. That actually kind of made me annoyed. I was like, dude. <laughs> I was like, I know it's part of your your character. Yeah. And... I was just like, inconceivable. Inconceivable. Anywho, sorry. And it's in the book. He says that a lot in the book. Yeah, he says that a ton in the book. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then they make it to the Cliffs of Insanity. And like it shows in the movie, there's a huge rope tied to something at the top of the cliff. And Vizzini and Ego and Buttercup all get strapped to Fezzik. And he climbs up the rope. The cliffs you see in the movie are actually the massive cliffs of Mohair in Ireland. I want to go. We should go to Ireland. Okay. Okay. I want to go see these cliffs. We should. Other movies were also filmed here, like Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince and Snow White and the Huntsman. I've seen Harry Potter, I think, twice. You haven't seen Snow White and the Huntsman? I don't think so. With Thor as the Huntsman? I think we started it, but then I think I had to go to work. Oh. It's, It's pretty decent. Yeah. But yeah, there are many, there's actually a lot of movies, but those were the two that I was like, oh, I know those ones. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> They're actually super popular. If you Google the, the Cliffs of Mohair, Mohair, I think I'm saying that right. It comes up as like a tourist attraction in Ireland. We should go. Okay. These scenes, the climbing scenes, were basically completely done with stunt doubles. Cliffs of Mohair. Yep, yeah, that one. Wow. Listening to me. <laughs> it's because it's so popular. I don't know. <sighs> we should climb them. I don't know what other cliffs you would Google. Well, let's see. But. Dover. Insanity meme. The Ireland. Cliffs, the cliffs of insanity. Those are the same cliffs as the Club of Mire. I know. <laughs> 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 know. But yeah, so these scenes, when you're actually watching them climb up the actual cliffs of Mohair. Are done basically with stunt doubles. Hmm. So they actually climbed them? 
Mm-hmm. So Peter Diamond was one of the stunt doubles, that, and he would climb for the most part. Andre the Giant, even though he was a very big guy, he had a lot of back problems from his oh. condition because yeah. he grew too fast, so everything hurt. Plus, he was a WWE wrestler for a long Ooh. time, so everything yeah. hurt. So he couldn't actually hold anybody. So basically, every scene that shows him like carrying someone, they're usually tied to a pulley or something so he doesn't actually have to. So in this scene, Peter Diamond is dressed up with a fake Fezix head on and then has a rubber <laughs> Fizzini Inigo and Buttercup attached to him to do the climbing. Yeah. So it's not actually them. The close-up shots were shot on a set with 30-foot high cliffs. So I guess pretty high still, pretty but high, not yeah. cliffs of insanity high. No. And this one... So for this one, the crew devised a system in which Andre the Giant could stand on a platform which was attached to a forklift. So he would stand and then they would like slowly raise the forklift so it looked like he was moving. And and he would hold on to Wally so Wally would be in the front of him while Robin and Inigo, Inigo, Robin and Inigo, Buttercup and Inigo, Robin and Mandy sat on bicycle seats next to him to make it look like they were like Oh, strapped to him, but they weren't strapped to him. Yeah. Yeah. So it was him and Wally on the actual forklift. And then they were on little seats next to him to look like they were strapped. So they were all raised together. Yeah. But he didn't actually have any pressure on him. Yeah. Wally was actually so afraid of heights, though, that even like this 30 feet seemed like a lot to him. So he was like freaking out. And in the book, Mandy, the guy that plays Inigo. He recalled that while they were filming the scene, Wally was super nervous. So Andre just looked at him and said, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And Wally was like perfectly fine after that. Uh, uh, yeah. All of the stories of Andre the Giant is just he was the sweetest person. He died actually really young because of his condition. Oh, yep. And uh, I think he actually died before this this book came out as well. Because most of the time they're talking about him, it's past tense talking about him. Mm, oh, so that's sad. But everybody, like every single person on that set, had such nice things to say about him. Oh, yeah. See, that's but what that's a family. Cute. That's what a cast family's meant. That's it's true. If anybody wants a good, um, what is that called? Like example of a cast family. That's a cast family. Sadly, you won't find that everywhere. But yeah, and that's what they said too. Like, almost all of them were just saying, like, how close they are still, even however many years later it is now. They're yeah. all still super close and, like, check in on each other all the time and that kind of stuff. So, I was like, that's cool. Yeah. So then Fezzik reaches the top and Fizzini cuts the rope. In the book, he doesn't cut the rope. He just unties the rope. But basically the same thing. He lets the rope basically, go. Basically, yeah. And the man in black grabs onto the cliffs. In the movie, Fezzik says... He has really good arms, which is exactly (laughs) what he says in the book, too. (laughs) And here the famous, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means, happens as well. That quote does happen. It is from the book, but it happens while they're climbing the rope, not when they're at the top of the cliff. But it still happens exactly like he says, that's inconceivable. And he just goes, I do not think that word means what you think it means. That's that's from the book. (laughs) So now the man in black is clinging to the side of the cliff and Inigo has been tasked with killing the man. This entire scene, everything, 
is almost exactly from the book. I'm going to say that a lot because I feel like almost every scene is, but this scene specifically. Yeah. There's like a couple lines that were added, but everything that was in the book was put into the movie, which was, I, I just like followed along with it. The thing that was added was Inigo telling the man in black about his father. Mm-hmm. This didn't happen this way in the book. Yeah. In the book, there's a whole section of the chapter that tells you the story of what happens to his father. It is the same story. Just the one that's in the movie is like a very watered down version of it because in the book, there's like pages of it. Yeah. But the count really did come in asking for a six fingered sword. Inigo's father did make the sword and the count ended up killing his father because of said sword. So then comes the sword fight. In the book, as you wish, Carrie, the guy that plays Wesley. Yeah. Talks a lot about all of the work that they put into this fight. It took them over I mean, three months I to mean, put this scene together. Yeah. You have, they're climbing over rocks. They're mm-hmm. like, it's like, it's, it's not like the lame fights we have nowadays. No. When it's like, hit, hit, oh. They put so much time into it. Yeah. So much time. And all of it, except for when Anigo jumps over um, Wesley, and then when Wesley does like the spin on the bars. Those are the only parts of it that are filmed with somebody else, with their stunt double. Wow. They do everything else in this. Yeah. That's impressive. They did a really good job because they promised. So Rob Reiner and William Goldman, the director and the screenwriter, were talking to them and they were like, do you think you can do this without stunt doubles? And they were both like, yeah, we can totally do this without stunt doubles. (laughs) And Carrie was like, I wasn't super confident, but I had to say that I was. (laughs) So, (laughs) So they figured out how to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's impressive. Right? Uh, Goldman actually said when he was writing the screen, right, that this fight was to be the greatest sword fight in modern times. So they had like a really big, like, we have to make this the greatest I sword mean, fight. I mean, it still is. It's so good. Because now the sword fights are lame. It's true. Yeah. Sadly. Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Keep going. <laughs> so like I said, Carrie was a bit nervous about it because he had never, he actually says in the movie that growing up, he was never much good at sports. He liked to do the arts instead. That's why he's an actor. So having to learn how to fence seemed almost impossible to him. But he and Mandy, the guy that plays an ego, they were trained by Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson. So Peter Diamond was a stunt coordinator and he worked on movies like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Obvious. I was going to mention Star Wars because uh-huh. I was like, those fights, I mean, yeah. now the fights are... But like the original ones. But like the original ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just those. I just watched a video of like the... um, It was Ewan McGregor and the guy who with the two... Darth Maul. Darth Maul. Uh, they were like practicing. Uh-huh. It, was, it was so cool. And I was like, where yeah. did those go? Yeah. So Peter Diamond helped with all of those. And then Bob Anderson, the other guy that was helping, he was a member of the Olympic fencing team for Great Britain. Oh. And he later became the president of the British Academy of Fencing and was the coach for the British national team. So both of them have a lot of experience and know what they're doing with these kind of things. they've got a ton of experience. Yes. So Carrie said that if he and Mandy ever had any downtime in their, like the time that they were shooting or whatever, They always had a sword in hand. They were always practicing, getting to know how the sword feels, all that kind of stuff. He actually says on their first day practicing, by the time he was done, everything, like every muscle in his body was shaking. He's like, that was so hard. So hard trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah. So then before they left, um, 
the two guys that I just mentioned, Bob and Peter, were like, we want to show you kind of what we have in mind, what, where we want you to get. So they did a whole fight scene. And both Carrie and Mandy were like, that was amazing. And Carrie's like, they planned it perfectly because if they would have done that at the beginning when I wasn't tired, I would have been like, cool, it's a sword fight. But now knowing everything that goes into it and like how much your legs shake because of the stance you have to take, your shoulders shaking, all of that. He's like, it made us appreciate it so much more because we went through all of that trying to get to where they're at. Yeah. So, yeah. And he's like, that's when like all of my respect was like, yes, you're a god. (laughs) (laughs) Start bowing down to him. Yeah. (laughs) So... And like I said, this entire fight scene was almost completely done without their stunt doubles. They learned how to do the whole thing. Oh. But when they first went in to film the scene, so after the three months when they had it, like, perfected, the whole fight only lasted one minute and 23 seconds. So when they finished it, Rob Reiner, the director, was like, that's it? Like, where's the the rest of the fight? This is supposed to be the greatest fight of all time, and it was a minute long. Yeah. Where's the rest of it? So he had them go back and add more to it, which meant they needed more set. So they asked, they're like, can we get like some steps put in, some castle runes put in? Because if we add more to it, we're just going to be going over the same spots and it's going to be super boring to watch. Yeah, it's going to get, it's going to be, it's going to be repeated. Exactly. Repetitive. Repetitive. Yeah. So they did. So the set director went through and like added a bunch of stuff to it to give them more space. And then that like pulley bar or whatever, so they could do the flips off of it. Added all of that. So then the Mandy, Carrie, Mandy, Peter, and Bob, the four swords people, went through and watched a bunch of movies that had sword fighting. So like Zorro and those kind of movies and pulled things from those sword fights to put into their sword fight. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) Carrie was saying it was super stressful because they were like, here we had this perfect, like, it took us three months to make this. We've got days to like add to it. Yeah. I but bet it was stressful. Yeah. But they did add to it. And the, the end fight ended up being over three minutes long. So Rob was like, perfect. This is perfect. Another fact about this scene. It'll come up later again, but I had to add it here too. <laughs> Carrie, the guy that plays Wesley, yeah. actually had a broken toe for most of the movie. Uh-huh. Andre Fezzik. Mm. he had an ATV that he would drive around since he couldn't fit in their transportation buses because he was so big. Yeah. And his health wasn't good enough for him to walk everywhere, so they gave him an ATV so that he could drive in that. So while they were filming one day, Andre convinced Carrie to drive it. He's like, just try it. You'll, you'll like it, I promise. So Carrie was like, no, I don't I don't think that it's a good idea. But then he finally was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. So he gets in, starts driving it, he his foot slips and he ends up breaking his big toe on his left foot. Uh-huh. Like completely broken. How do you break your big toe on so his so he had the clutch, so he had to do the clutch and the gas. Oh, it's a it's a stick. Uh-huh. So ah. then his foot slipped and got stuck between the clutch and something else to where his big toe just bent downwards. Yeah. Yeah. He was in so much shock, though. He's like, it didn't even hurt at first because he was in so much shock because he was so worried that they were going to fire him because he made this mistake. And he's like, I have to walk a lot. Like, I can't hide a broken toe. So he tried to hide a broken toe. He had them Ew. like, oh, and then you're walking on a broken. <laughs> so he had the medic like bandage it up. And she's like, honestly, there's nothing more you can do for broken toe. Like they would just bandage it, put a little splint in it. There's not much more you can do. Same for fingers. So he's like. 
well, can you cut my shoe open a little bit so I have more space in my shoe? I'm wearing a black sock anyway, so they won't be able to tell. And she's like, yeah, we'll do that. So they did that. And he wasn't going to tell Rob or uh, Williams, the two directors. He wasn't going to tell them. But then Rob came up to him and was like, hey, buddy, are you doing okay? Somebody else had told him what had happened. <laughs> and Carrie's like, I am so sorry. I promise I'm going to do everything I can to like keep this going. He's like, dude, you're fine. Like, it's okay. We'll work around it. So there's different scenes where he's like kind of limping or he adjusts his foot a certain way. And it's because he's got a broken toe. So he did this entire fight scene on a broken toe. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He says in the book, he's like, yeah, everyone was super impressed except for my left toe. <laughs> Yeah, Charity's cringing so hard right now. Like, I wish I kind of wish we had cameras in here just so you could see her face right now. (laughs) Yeah. So, like I said, it will come up again, but he did do this entire fight scene and he did such a good job with it, too. You couldn't even tell that he's working with a broken toe. That is one thing that I can't. Broken toes and fingers and teeth. I can't. Broken teeth? No, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like in like during in, like crime documentaries when they're like, yeah, and they like ripped out all the teeth. I'm like, whoa, oh, whoa, yeah. Whoa. yeah, I can do that. I can't. I can't. Like if they if they were like, oh, like she she broke her arm. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Okay. Broken toes. I'm like, Oof. broken no, no fingers. Thanks. No, thank you. And she's like, no thanks. No, thank you. So then in the movie we come to the hand fight between Fezzik and Wesley. This introduction yes. part between the two. What? Sorry, no, I was just like rewrote. Yes, I know you. Never keep going between the giant and Wesley. Yes, yes. The introduction part between this two, the two, is again almost verbatim from the book. Although, in the movie, Fezzik, after saying it's not his fault that he's the biggest and the strongest, which he does say that in the book, but in the movie he adds, "I don't even exercise," and Carrie thought that was a super comical line, because. Andre, the giant, who's this WWE fighter, <laughs> yeah, never actually exercised. Really? Yeah. He was just like naturally strong. So for him to say that as Fezzik was like, that's accurate, actually. Yeah. <laughs> he really doesn't ever <laughs> exercise. Wow. So in the scene, since Andre's back was so jacked up, he couldn't carry, ca- couldn't carry, carry, <laughs> couldn't carry, carry <laughs> like Fezzik does in the movie. Yeah. So the scenes when you actually see the man in black on Fezzik's back, when it's like panned out, that's actually his stunt double. And you can tell if you're like watching closely because the stunt double is only six foot seven, where Andre was like seven, nine, like he was huge. Yeah. So there's definitely a significant like height difference. Yeah, there's a, yeah. So you can tell when it pans out because the difference between Wesley, between Carrie and the stunt double is only like maybe seven or eight inches. Yeah. So it's not a huge difference compared to him and Andre. Oh, wow. If you're not paying super attention, like, you can't tell. Oh, like, yeah. It still just I looks mean, like a giant. I, I wasn't paying attention, so I was like, oh. Exactly. But I was like, I want to see this now because I knew about it. And it's yeah. true. Like, there's only a few inches difference compared to, like, when you see him actually on Andre's back. So he is actually standing up on something. So he's not on Andre. But Andre's head is, like, six times the size yeah. of his. <laughs> and it looks very different when you pan out. Yeah. So then we come to the battle of wits between Vizzini and Wesley. Mm-hmm. I mean, the man in black. He's not Wesley yet. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that it's Wesley yet. He's not Wesley. 
yet. (laughs) (laughs) This was another scene that I basically read along with in the book. It's nice. I don't think I I mentioned. I mean, I mentioned it, but I don't think I've said this before. But it's nice having the actual author of the book write the screenplay. Yeah. Because he did stay very close to the book. And that's always that's always so nice because we always you always watch you always read a book and then you're so excited for the movie and then and it's never as good. Well, because okay, do you know they're making a a new they're making a movie out of It Ends with Us it by Colin Hoover by Colin Hoover. Oh, yeah? yeah. So they're making a movie. Okay, and she they casted it, and I absolutely hate the casting. I hate it so much. Oh, really? I hate it. Yeah. Well, your your casting like your mind is always gonna look different than it will. Okay, first off, the main girl Lily, uh-huh. the main girl in It Ends with Us, she's in her twenties. Okay, okay, but she's being played by a girl who's in her thirties to forties. Oh, yeah, quite a big difference. Quite a big difference. Plus, the guy who plays Atlas looks like a Ryle, and I'm like, you can't have a, a you can't have a golden retriever type of guy. Uh-huh. be played by I guess not like a fully golden because at first you were like oh this is like a spoiler to the book it ends with us but it's you can't have a guy who looks like a um I don't I don't because it's kind of like a stereotype but kind of like a black bulldog okay play a guy who's supposed to be a golden retriever you can't have that, and they're doing that. I, I, anywho, that's my yeah. little rant because I hate the casting so much. Yeah, I hate it. So it is nice when you have like the actual author helping out because it is going to be a lot yeah. better. Is she not helping with that movie? I think she is. Maybe she picked them out. Oh, but I, I don't You're like. It doesn't fit. I was like, it doesn't. You fit. didn't read your own book. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anywho, uh, that's funny. So yeah, so this scene, like I said, is basically line by line what the book says. Even the quote when Vizzini says, you fell victim to one of the classic blunders. The most famous is never get involved in a land war in Asia, but only slightly less known as this. Never go in against the Sicilian when death is on the line. (laughs) (laughs) Death. That that quote is in the book. (laughs) Just like that. (laughs) Wally, the guy that plays Vizzini, he talks about the scene again. So like I was saying, he was super nervous about this whole movie. Yeah. This scene was the first one that he filmed for this movie. Ooh, this is like his yeah. big scene. And it's the hardest scene. Yeah. Because there's so many lines, there's so much dialogue, mm-hmm. and they wanted him to say these lines fast because he does. Yeah. It's almost like they didn't want him to think about it, that it was yeah. just like came naturally to Vizzini. Mm-hmm. So he was so nervous about the scene. And this was one of the ones where he had Goldman go through and like, do what he thought the scene would look like, which included Goldman falling off sideways when Vizzini dies. And Wally's like, I'm glad I had him do it first because I wouldn't have thought to do that. Like yeah. That's not how I like pictured it in my mind, but it worked out better. So he did that. Yeah. Wally actually said in As You Wish, there's a quote by him. And he said, quote, here's another piece of advice that I'm going to give any filmmaker who reads this book. It's not always kind of the actor to make his most difficult scene be the first scene that he does. That can be very, very hard. It takes a few days or a week to get into the mood of a picture and to get to feel comfortable with being in that film and with the other actors and to recognize their faces, etc. So to suddenly have to do your hardest scene on the very first day is not desirable. 
But obviously scheduling a complex film sometimes means that that's the only day that it could be shot. And that's what happened to me. Actually, we shot it over two days and the ghost of Danny DeVito was devastatingly present the whole time. Because <laughs> he was so nervous about it. Yeah. He did it flawlessly. And they he, were, yeah. I mean, it's a great scene. It's a great scene. He did a great job, but he was so nervous the entire I mean, time. I, I, I bet. Yes. But he got through it and it's an awesome scene. So Vizzini's dead. And now the man in the bl- in black. I almost said the man in the black. The man in the black. <laughs> the man in black. There you go. Has Buttercup. Most of this dialogue as well is from the book, but there is a bit of a change. In the movie, Buttercup tells him that she has, quote, loved more deeply than a killer like yourself could ever dream, which is in the book. But in the movie, Wesley raises his hand like he's going to hit her and then tells her, Never to lie again, where where he comes from. from. Mm -hmm. In the book, though, he does actually hit her. He slaps her across the face. Yeah. And I was like, um, Wesley, you love her. Don't hit her. That's rude. Movie Wesley is definitely definitely better than book Wesley. (laughs) It's like, how dare you hit her? Yeah. Also in the book, she doesn't figure out that he's the Dread Pirate Roberts until later. Not in the, like in the movie, she's like, I know who you are. Your cruelty reveals it all. She doesn't actually say that. But she does push him down a hill and she does say, you can die too for all I care. But he doesn't say, as, as you wish. No, he gets to the bottom. And then he says, as you wish. And she was like, oh, you're sweet, Wesley. One thing that I was confused. Why did she throw herself down the hill? She couldn't have just like, I don't know, walked. walked? Or I mean, get on your side and roll. You let, yeah. She literally just like yeeted herself down the hill. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I but was like, girl, she you, did. You this happens in the book. You couldn't use your brain? No. Like, I mean, in, we, in all, we all rolled down hills when we were little. You didn't have to full on just like, yeet. <laughs> yeah, no, she does. And she does in the book as well. And this is another scene where Carrie's toe is bothering him because he still has broken toe. So if you look when he's laying at the bottom of the hill, he kind of has his left foot propped a certain way so that there's no pressure on his big toe. (laughs) And when um, Rob first saw it, he was like, oh, that's an interesting way to lay his foot. And then it was like, oh, yeah, he's got a broken toe. (laughs) (laughs) So that entire scene's so funny because... Luckily, both of them weren't voice actors because when they were falling down the hill, they were like, ooh, ah, e, <laughs> ooh, ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and in the book, there's no reunion scene. So like at the at the bottom when they're li- when she's like, um, you're alive. If you want, I could fly. Yeah, no, that doesn't happen. And in the book, he talks about how there's like how he wrote a reunion scene, but he can't add it into the book because the Morgan Stern family trust doesn't want him to like this whole thing so he actually if you go into the book there's a address to send a letter to to be like hey we want to know the reunion scene but every time someone would write a letter to that address he would write back saying that he can't because he's being sued by the morgan stern (laughs) trust (laughs) so like i said he kept this magic going like forever so then buttercup and I wrote Buttercup and Robin. Buttercup and Robin are the same person. (laughs) Buttercup and Wesley Wesley. are running towards the fire swamp. If you watch closely in this scene, 
Wesley Carey's doing like this weird little like skip hop thing. Yeah. Because he's got a broken toe still. Yeah. So he's trying to run on a it's, broken it's toe. It's kind of like um when you're in PE and you roll your ankle, but your teacher still wants you uh-huh. to run and you're like, oh, so it's like a little like Oof. hop. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's doing. And he's like, I had to convince myself that it looked normal because we're trying to run holding hands and that always looks awkward. <laughs> that's true. I was like, it's true. Like you play um, it off really yeah. well. But if you know, you're like, yeah, you're running with a broken toe. Yeah. Then there's the whole fire swamp. We'll never survive. You're only saying that because nobody has. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're in the fire swamp. This was actually the first scene that they filmed while making the movie was the fire swamp scene. It's super interesting to me that they don't go like in order of scenes when yeah. it comes to filming. It it would because that's that's how it is for. I mean, some some place that I've been in, we go. We don't go in any certain order. So, like, I guess I'm not in a play, per se. We're doing 100 Years of Broadway. And I... Oh, cool. Yeah. Anyway, we're not going to talk about it. But... Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, we started doing it in chronological order, but then we jumped to the ending. So, we did the first scene... The first two scenes, kind of, their okay. sections. We did the first two sections, and then we went to the last section, and we did that all in one day. And then one day we went backwards through the sections. So for hmm. section five, we did the last song to the first song. Okay. We choreographed it. And then we did the, fir- the first song to the last song. It, Why do you do it that way? Um, it's a little more easier to understand. Because if you're, if you're understanding it backwards, it's a lot harder. And then you do it frontwards and you're like, oh, like this is, this hmm. is fine. So it all depends on who you have that day. Because if they couldn't get one actor... In the scene, you're, mm-hmm. you're not going to do the scene because if it's their sure. scene, they can't yeah. do the scene. So it all just depends on the actors you have there and also if people are missing or if, yeah. Huh. Yeah, it was just interesting to me that they said that the fire swamp was the first scene that they filmed. I was like, oh. It would make okay. sense because the fire. God damn, that scared me. <laughs> Those my dogs. No big deal. <laughs> Um, it would make sense because the fire swamp scene, it's only them two. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the first scene where it's only them. So it would be a lot. Well, the whole beginning is only them. Oh, that's, that's true. Except horses in the beginning, but. That's true. The R.O.U.S.s are in this. So. I don't know. It was just really interesting to me that they were like, yeah, the fire swamp's the first scene. I was like, that's an interesting scene to choose first. Yeah. But they did. And. Um, Rob Reiner did not want special effects for this movie. So the R.O.U.S.s are actually little people, like midget people, dressed in rat costumes. I'm not lying. (laughs) They are. They got, like, basically sewn into these costumes. And they said that these costumes were so hot. I I bet that they were just like sweltering inside these costumes. Oof, that does not sound fun. And actually, the RUS that Wesley Wesley wrestles in this scene. Do that ten times fast. Literally, I even just looked at it and I was like, my mouth is not going to say those two <laughs> words next to each other. <laughs> I know this about myself. I have a hard time with W's. But the RUS that he has to wrestle in this scene. Well, the guy that was in the costume was actually arrested the night before. So he had gone out drinking with some buddies the night before and got into his car because he has like a special car set up so that he can like drive it, even though he's short 
like a little person. Yeah. And he got pulled over. So he tried telling the officer, like, hey, tomorrow I have a really big scene I have to film. You can't arrest me. And the officer's like, you are not an actor. Like, there's no way. He's like, no, really? Like, I'm dressing up as a rat tomorrow. And the officer's like, yeah, no, you're coming down to the station with me. So he did. So he arrested him. So the next day when they had to start filming, the guy's not there. And they're like, dude, where is this RUS? Like, he's supposed to be here ready to start. They were all so worried because nobody had heard from him. Hours later, so they started filming, and they just used a dummy, like a a rubber R-O-U-S, for Wesley to wrestle with, which wasn't doing great. But hours later, he finally shows up, and he's like, I'm so sorry, boss. Like, this is what happened, and, like, told the whole story. And they're like, no, it's okay. Like, we're just happy that you're okay. So that he was able to, like, get in his suit and finish the scene. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay, that's a crazy story. I mean, imagine telling an officer, no, I got to dress up as a rat tomorrow. He's like, I'm not lying to you. (laughs) I mean, if I was an officer and I ever heard that, I'd be like, are you on crack? Right. Did you have a little bit more than just uh, alcohol tonight, buddy? Yeah. (laughs) Are you fine? Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, like that was, that really happened. Also, when they first started filming the scene, they had to keep pausing because some sort of sound kept coming across the system. So Rob Ryan was like, what is going on? Like, what is that noise that we're hearing? And it was like some sort of chanting or something like that. So they all like spread out and started looking for what it could be. Well, they found William Goldman, the screenwriter, sitting behind the set praying. So he was saying prayers (laughs) that everything was going to go okay. And he was saying it soft. So he's like, nobody can hear me, but the microphone still picked it up. You couldn't tell what he was saying, but you could still hear it. He's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't think anybody could hear me. They're like, you need to stop praying right now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So, so, yeah, they couldn't in fact hear him. Also in this scene, Buttercup's dress catches on fire. And Carrie, Wesley, was a little concerned because he was the one who had to make sure that he put it out in time. They did put um, fire retardant on it so that it wouldn't burn all the way up. But it's it still could. It just was like a precautionary for it. Yeah. So he was a little bit nervous about it. Oh, yeah. I, my brain didn't click that they had, they're not using special effects for the fire. So it's like real it's fire. real fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. That would be, that, honestly, I want to keep going. Mm-hmm. Keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Goldman missed the safety briefing, like letting everybody know, like, hey, this is what's going on. And he forgot that they were setting her on fire. So he's like walking past as she's like being set on fire. And he's like, oh, my God, she's on fire. She's on fire. (laughs) And Rob's like, she's supposed to be on fire. That's part of the scene. (laughs) And William Goldman's like, I'm so sorry. I totally forgot that we were actually setting (laughs) her on fire. (laughs) So they had to redo it. And everything went fine the next time. Like, it all went without a hitch. But yeah. Uh, Carrie recalled that story and he was like we were all laughing because we're like we all went through this whole safety briefing knowing that she's going to catch on fire Rob Ryan or not Rob Ryan or William Goldman missed it (laughs) so he's like shit she's on fire (laughs) oh man Uh, it was pretty funny this book is really like if you uh, you should read this as you wish because there's so many really cute stories so then in the movie this is when Wesley tells Buttercup that he is in fact the Dread Pirate Roberts 
this interaction did happen fairly similar to the book, except it happens after the quicksand happens. Mm. So in the movie, he's telling her as they're walking through after her dress gets caught on fire, but before she walks into the quicksand. Ah. And when Wesley says that the Dread Pirate Roberts would keep saying, I'll kill you in the morning, that's from the book. The whole story, including the name Ryan, because he said that the Dread Pirate's Robert's <laughs> real name was Ryan, <laughs> is from the book. <laughs> yes. Oh. So after the pirate story in the movie, this is when she falls into the quicksand. She does fall faster in the movie than she does in the book, though. It's like, oh. Yes. She, like, gets sucked in by it. Where in the book, they were talking about it before, and Wesley had told her, if you fall into the quicksand, spread your arms and your legs out because it'll make you fall slower because you have more of a surface area to hold on to. So that's what she did. So he turned around and realized she was in the quicksand as her head was going underneath. So he didn't like watch her fall in. He turned around and was okay. like, where, where are you going? <laughs> Where'd you going? <laughs> She's just gone. <laughs> in the, yeah. Cause in the movie, she like steps and it's like, it's like exactly. It's yeah. kind of like how you, when you would fall into like water, you know, it, yeah, it's like, it a, yeah. When the quicksand is not like that. No, I don't know about you, but all growing up, I thought quicksand was going to be a lot more dangerous. I've never actually experienced quicksand or been like in a general area that has quicksand. <laughs> Same. But there's though. so many movies like freaking never ending story probably like traumatized me. Same though. Because of the freaking horse dying in that quicksand. I was like, I'm I'm probably going to die in quicksand. That's how I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm 31 years old. And I don't even know what quicksand looks like. <laughs> But I, I definitely, mean, I'm not, other than being like a lot younger, I don't even know what it looks like yeah, either. I definitely thought it was going to be a lot more of a problem. I, I always thought that I would be like at school or something. Yeah, that they something was just going to like happen. show up and I yeah. was just going to like, gone. Yeah. Or like catching on fire. Like I always thought that I would have actually have to use stop, drop, and roll. Do yeah. you know how many times I've used it? Exactly zero. Exactly I've never zero. used stop, drop, and roll. <laughs> <laughs> there's just different things yeah. from my childhood that i'm like i really thought that was gonna be a lot more of a problem than it actually is yeah, or like when we have the great um shake out at school what did you guys never do the great shake out no this sounds oh. like a party it's not it's not it's not okay so basically for the ever since i started in school they've been telling us the exact same thing Okay. So basically the great shakeout is the great earthquake of Utah. Okay. So cuz since we're on like I a didn't fault know it was line called the great shakeout. Yeah, since I we're, love this. Since, <laughs> since we're on like a fault line. Yeah. They've I knew been that. yeah, since so since like first grade. Uh-huh. First grade. Uh-huh. It's so we do the great shakeout. So basically the principal goes over the speakers and he goes, all right, everyone, it's time for the great shakeout. And you got to get ready for like this huge earthquake that's going to like break all the windows and destroy the ceiling. What do you do? You basically just get underneath the table. Okay, and then yeah. They... I've done that before, but they never, they just called it an earthquake drill. Oh. I want to go. Why did they call it and then they, and That's then, so much better. And then they play like rock music or something. Or it's like, so much better. Or then my, or like my old school, they did like buildings falling down. Like, sorry, I just hit. So they <laughs> just hit my microphone. You're trying to talk with your hands about yeah. the great shakeout. Yeah. So it, it was basically just like rubble crashing against rubble, uh-huh. rubble. So it was, yeah. Huh. We've, I've never actually had to use it. We only yeah, ever no. did it like once. I've lived through an earthquake, but it was not that great. I mean, it was it was a big one, but it didn't do anything to our house. Well, this one, this one's supposed to be like massive. It like is, the, yeah. Our teacher, 
our teachers were like, and it's going to break the window, so make sure that your face isn't facing the window, that your butt's facing the window so it can get cut if the window breaks, if the ceiling oh. falls, you're underneath the tables, yeah. we'll get underneath. Yeah. Huh. I've been in school for like 12, almost 12 years. Yeah. And I've done it. You do it all the time. All the time. We never called it the Great Shakeout. It was just an earthquake drill. Well, we do an earthquake drill too, but there's a big one that's called the Great Shakeout. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this is a normal one for when it's only like a three on the Richter scale. <laughs> yeah. That one we don't move did at all. You, did you feel the one that, oh, this was back in like 2020, I think. I think it was before Taylor left. But. Yeah, I was on the loft bed. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor and I were at his sister's house and it sounded like the dogs were running up the stairs. But then they never did. And I was like, I think that might have been an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, it was in Magna. Yeah. So it was like far enough from us. It was still close enough for us to feel it, but far enough that it didn't do any damage to us. Yeah. Well, um, aunt and uncle, the ones that live close to us, I don't know if they want us to say our name on the podcast. Sure. Not. I'm not going to say the name on the podcast, but yeah. the ones that live close to us. Yeah. Um, he was, he, they were working out and he was jumping on the trampoline right as the earthquake started. And so um, our aunt uh-huh. was like, is that you? And he's like, I'm not that heavy. <laughs> he's like, how dare you? <laughs> Anywho, because they have a mini trampoline in there. Oh, um, yeah. At, in the, not their attic, but they're upstairs. Yeah. And they were working out because it was 2020 and everything was closed. Yeah. Yeah, but I was on a loft bed. Yeah. I was too tired to actually get out and figure out what it was. And I was like. Yeah, it was right before Taylor left for Afghanistan. Yeah. <clears throat> Anywho. But after yeah. that long tangent. <laughs> back to the movie back to the movie so yes yeah, so she's in the quicksand and she just goes into the quicksand yeah so in the movie wesley dives in after her right face first right in after her yeah in as you wish in the book carrie talks about the scene and at first he was just supposed to step in after her because they had the setup so it was a trap door so you'd step on a button and it would open the trap door and that's what you would jump through well, he was like, that's not heroic enough. Like, Wesley would not just Wesley... calmly step into the quicksand I mean, maybe, after his true love. Maybe, I don't know, farm boy would. But, but the not Dread, Dread Pirate, Pirate Wesley would not. Would not. Yes. So he's like, I want to dive in after her. I feel like that's what Wesley would do. Well, Rob was concerned that the door wouldn't open on time. And he's like, if the door doesn't open... You're diving face first into ground. <laughs> like, buddy boy. That's damage. You already broke your toe. We don't need to yeah. break your face, too. Exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, he hadn't bro- broken his toe at this point yet because oh. this was the first scene. Oh, yeah. This was the first scene. Yes. But still, like. But, I mean, he would have went through the movie with a broken toe and a broken face. Exactly. And, I mean, Wesley's face is. It's nice. It's a 10 so out of 10. Not, yeah. Let's it's, not destroy it. It's probably like a 200 out of 10. I love Wesley. Yeah. So they did have his stunt double try it first, and it worked flawlessly. Like, he was able to step on the button and jump through just perfectly. So Carrie's like, we're going to do this. I'm a little nervous about it, but we're going to do this. (laughs) And it was his idea, so he's like, I can't back out now. Like, I told him that I need to do this. So he did it, and what you see in the movie is the take that he did. They only did one take, and it worked out perfectly. Man. Yeah. There was some sort of blessing on this, other than him, his broken toe there was some sort of blessing yeah, on this there's another stage i'm pretty sure i talked about it in this first part but there's another injury that he gets to oh what is it with this <laughs> man and an injury i know <laughs> not very blessed but the trap door worked so i mean the set was blessed yes so then in the movie wesley is attacked by an rus like i mentioned this is a man dressed in a rat costume okay computer thanks for that that was loud 
(laughs) (laughs) But this guy's name was Danny Blackner. And he had tattoos and piercings all over. Like tattoos all over his body, piercings up and down his ears. And he's the one that was arrested. That would make sense. Right? Yeah. He also worked in The Labyrinth. Mm -hmm, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. And he was an Ewok in Star Wars as well. Yeah. I was like, okay. Cool. And the fight that happens in the movie is really similar to the one that happens in the book, including the part where Wesley, like, rolls and puts the RUS into the fire spurt. That's, That's in the book. So then Wesley and Buttercup make it out of the fire swamp, and they're greeted by Prince Humperdinck and the Count. The whole, surrender, death first, is from the book as well. Do we ever find out the Count's name? Count. Count Rogan. Rogan, yeah. But he has a first name. His name's not Count Rogan. Like, his mom didn't look at him after birth and go, you look like Count Rogan. Your name is Count. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Let me pull up. I know I have the IMDB pulled up. Let me find what that's at. Right here. No, it's just Count Rogan. That's just his name. Hmm. And And then in the book, they don't even call him that. They just call him Count. Count. So, yeah. Next in the movie, it's all like Count Rogan. Yeah. Was it Rogan or Rogan? Rogan. Rogan? Yeah. So, yeah. So, the whole surrender, death first is from the book. As is Buttercup saying, do you promise not to hurt him? We could live quite comfortably in the fire swamp. Yes. Anywho, Except <laughs> in the book, she whispers this. Where in the movie, she like yells it. Yeah. So, it makes more sense for both of the guys to be like, what'd you say? Because they're both <laughs> like, what'd you say? You said something. <laughs> yes. Because she whispers it. Because I, I was watching the movie. She's like, do you promise not to hurt him? All well, loud. And they're like, what? And it was and I'm like, you did, not, it did also, you not hear her? Like, it also like doesn't. Well, I mean, it kind of fits like with Wesley because he's like, oh, like she loves me. But then she's like, if you promise not to hurt him, I'll go with you. And she's like, well, why? But yeah, the one thing because it's not in it's completely opposite character after the fire swamp. Because in the fire swamp, when he's mm-hmm. fighting the R.O.U.S., she's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, don't. <laughs> Oh, don't come near me. Oh my gosh. I was like, yeah. girl, pick I up the sword. Fight. I can't fight. At least kick him. the sword toward him. Yeah, do something. Do something other than stand there and go, oh my gosh, don't hurt me. Yeah. And then grab a stick and poke at the R-O-U-S. Yeah. Um, and then and then she's a complete coward in the fire swamp. And then after alarm, she's like, do not hurt him. Yeah. It's like very different. We're in the book, she's multiple like personalities? Right. We're in the book, Anywho. she's like, do you promise? Not to hurt him, and they're both like, which would make more what sense. What did I speak louder? But which would make more sense it after does she make was more just sense. like, let's poke this RUS with a stick and see yeah. if it works instead of just like wham across the head. Yeah. So then Humperdinck promises to take Wesley back to his ship, when in reality he tells the Count to take him to the pit, the pit, aka the pit the of zoo. despair. After Humperdinck rides off with Buttercup, the Count tells Wesley that he's like, let's go. I've got to take you to your ship. And Wesley responds with, we are both men of action. Lies do not become us, which is a quote from the book. And so then the count hits him over the head with the sword, right? To knock him out. Yeah. As he's realizing, like, he's got six fingers. So in the movie, he's like, oh, you have six fingers on your right hand. Somebody was looking for it. And then he gets knocked out. Yeah. In the book, he's just recognizing it so he doesn't say it out loud. But you can't really, like, tell thoughts out loud, you know? So, like, there was no way of him to be like, Oh, he's got six fingers on his right hand before he got knocked out. So it kind of made sense why they were like, say it out loud so that we know that's what you're thinking. 
Yes, I, yeah. under, I understand. I, yeah, every, every <laughs> like, time I'm following, I'm very slow because it's like every time I'm reading a book, I was like, oh, they should like definitely make this like into a movie. But then I was like, but then there are a lot of things that they like say in their brain. Yeah, because exactly. then it's like an enemies to lovers. Yeah, and it's and she and she's like, I can't because I'm betraying my family. I was like, she can't just she like can't say that out loud unless she's like alone in her room writing a diary, and then it's like yeah. her thoughts in the die mm-hmm. yeah and it happens like some movies have it set up where like you hear their thoughts you know yeah but it's like it'd be weird because they hadn't done it at all yet so it'd yeah. be weird to have wesley be like oh he's got yeah because usually usually in those movies it starts off as the thoughts yes yeah or they have a bunch of scenes leading up so it's not just like one random scene yeah so it made sense why they like had him say this all out loud but this is where carrie gets injured again so in reality, Does the guy actually hit him over the head with it. <laughs> so in reality, Christopher Guest, the guy that plays the, the count, count, yeah, so nice. Like Carrie says, one of the nicest persons, pe- persons, one people, of the nicest people, one of the nicest people, one of the nicest, one of the nicest person. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> one of the nicest people you've ever met. I think that's right. One, one of the nicest persons he's no that doesn't no, make sense i think it's people people one of the nicest yeah. people he's, he's a really nice person <laughs> he's a really nice person <laughs> super nice one of the nicest humans he's ever met there you go there you go and so every time christopher count would go to like hit him he couldn't make it look hard because he would like stop too soon to like do a soft oh yeah because that's always tricky so, yeah so carrie was finally like just hit me. I, I'll be fine. I promise. Just hit me. So, so Christopher, so the Count's like, okay, all right. I, I, I got this. I got this. So he really like took it to heart and was like, we can do this. <laughs> so he hit him. He actually ended up knocking him out. So in the movie, when Wesley passes out, he's really <laughs> passing out. <laughs> That's not faked. Like, he really did. So then Wesley wakes up with stitches in his head. <laughs> Cut the top of his head. <laughs> yeah, that's real. <laughs> yeah, so he actually hit him super hard. So going back to the fight scene with um, Inigo and Wesley, when Wesley goes behind and hits him on the back of the head, he does a sweeping motion because like it's easier to make a sweeping motion looks like it's hitting yeah. because you can hit the hair without hitting the head. Because he was supposed to hit him over the top of the head before, but they filmed the scene after this Count Rugen yeah. scene. So they were like, we don't want another repeat of that. So that's why he walks around yeah. to the back and hits him over the back of the head because it was easier to make it look like it was really hitting him. Oh, my him. God. But yeah, he had stitches. <laughs> well, because I, I, I understand like having like, well, because I've had to hit people in the head before in, in a play. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's hard to tell. Luckily, this guy was wearing a helmet because I could just hit the helmet and didn't sure. feel anything. Yeah. So I could like... Yeah. Anywho, it was. Anywho, so it's really hard to like soften the blow because you're like, yeah. I don't want to hit you, but like, but I need to I, make it look like I, need, I am. Yeah. yeah, especially with like a sword too. Yeah, and a lot of the times you can do angles. Like that's why he walked behind him because you can't see it. Like you just see his head, his hand go behind the head. Yeah. And they make the sound, which is like, okay, yeah, he hit him. You know, mm-hmm. or like when you go to punch somebody, they follow through with the punch, so their face doesn't actually get hit. But it looks like it did because they're falling through, you know. Yeah. So there's ways to make it look like it did, but they just couldn't figure it out this way. Yeah. <laughs> so well, especially because like, well, the guy's on the he's on the horse, so he mm-hmm. has the advantage, and he's just yeah. standing still. Because if it was a fight scene, 
Yeah, it's, they could have like they moved around. Yeah. yeah. But he's just sitting there, so he <laughs> hit him with it and knocked him out. <laughs> so Carrie's like, so when Wesley passes out in that scene, I'm actually passed out. Like, that's <laughs> real life. <laughs> so Man, this guy cannot catch a break. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So now we come to the pit of despair. This pit in the movie is actually, or in the book, in the movie, it's a pit of despair. In the book, it's a zoo. It's a five-story zoo that's full of animals that the Count likes to hunt because he wants to be the greatest hunter. This was all left out of the movie because probably animal rights, I guess. Like, they don't want to show the the, uh, prince killing animals. Yeah. People's fine, but not animals. (laughs) People's (laughs) fine. But there is a scene in the book where he does kill a chimpanzee so it's like yeah he does that's probably why they left it out well i they could have left out like him killing the animals because i mean they could have just like a zoo yeah they could have put the animals in there but yeah they did not it's just like a it's just this tree yeah when in reality there's like levels to it so it'll come up later too when it's like the lowest levels the easiest animals up until the hardest levels Mm -hmm. so like so he gets put on level five yeah and uh so when Inigo and Fezzik go to find the man in black. They have to walk through all of the levels and like not get eaten by the animals that are in there. So more in reality or in the movie, they just like find the tree and go inside and find the man they in black. They don't just find the tree. He but. prays to his dad's soul <laughs> it's true. to guide the sword. And he then does. it leads it to a tree and then he leans up against the tree because he thinks he's lost, but he's not. It's the actual like. It's the actual tree. Yeah. Then the door opens. It goes like. That was a door opening. (laughs) That was a good sound effect. Thank you. That's why you don't do sound effects. This is why I don't do sound effects. (laughs) Uh, In the book, though, there is an albino. So, like, there is an albino in the movie. Hmm. But he doesn't talk to Wesley the way that he does in the movie. So, in the movie, he's, like, telling him everything. He's like, you're in the pit of despair. Don't even try to get out. The trains are too thick. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. When in, in the book, Wesley's like, where am I? And the albino just shrugs. And he's like, who are you? And he shrugs. And he's like. Who knows that I'm here? And he just shrugs. So he doesn't really ever say anything. He just shrugs a lot. Yeah. So. And this is where we're going to leave part one. We are about an hour, 20 minutes into this. <laughs> Which is why I said we're going to do two parts. Because I still have 45 minutes of the movie to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah. That is part one. Yeah. Watch out for part two next week. Part two is next week. Yep. And then I think I'm doing the week after. Yep. More than likely. What we're doing. Not quite yet. We'll let you know by next week, we'll though. let you know. Yeah. Yeah. I so. I'll have it picked out by next week, so. Yeah. But, yeah. Oof. So, that was part one. We haven't even gotten to, like, any of the good stuff. No. Yeah. Besides the fire swamp. Besides the fire swamp. Yeah. And, I mean, so. him literally passing out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and breaking his toe. And breaking his toe. <laughs> but there's a At lot more to come. At least he didn't dive into the floor. That's true. The floor did open up the for him. The floor did really open well. up for him. So. Okay. Well, join us next week. Yeah. Join us next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram at Fallacious and Factual. That is F-A-L-L-A-C-I-O-U-S-A-N-D-F-A-C-T-U-A-L. You can send us a Gmail with any stories you want to hear at fallaciousandfactual at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. And remember, keep it factual and thoughtfulacious.